0: This is The Road Less Traveled, presented by Nikki Shea. The road, G'day everyone, it's Nikki Shea back in the seat. Welcome to this week's edition of The Road Less Traveled podcast, the podcast where we take you to destinations all around Australia in each and every state and city with a bit of history, some tales of adventure on the road and plenty more. So if you join us for the first time, welcome along. And if you're coming back as a regular listener, welcome back. We really appreciate your support. If you are new to the podcast, you can follow us on our social media, which is, of course, through Facebook and Instagram. We also have a YouTube uh, channel as well. And you can drop me an email at any time, which is fatcat with a PH. So P H A T C A T, fatcat at iinet.net.au. And you can give me a call or send me an SMS on 042-752-8467. And you can find out more about what we do with Fat Cat Media at fatcatmedia.com.au. That's the website where you can find out more about what we do, previous episodes of the show, and a whole lot more of the services that we provide. Now, we had an overwhelming uh, response to last week's show where we uh, tackled the Outback, and in particular, the Madigan Line. So we thought we'd keep that theme going because a lot of you have said uh, we did the overland away in Queensland for Episode 3 of Series 2, which you can uh, jump on and have a listen to that one. If you haven't done The Overlander's Way, it goes from Townsville, um, obviously the top end of, uh, of Queensland, so it goes from Townsville inland, uh, heads west towards Mount Isa, and there's some fantastic things that you can see on that. So have a listen to Episode three of series two and that's where you can listen to the Overlander's Way. This week though we thought we'd sort of tack on to the trip that we did with the Overlander's Way and continue that on and as I mentioned at the time there's plenty more destinations that you can use once you get to Mount Isa you can either head back and uh, go down sort of southwards or head back to Townsville or you can continue on into the Northern Territory and that's where we had this week we're going on the Savannah Way. So this week we are travelling on the Savannah Way, and the best way to do it for us was we went northwards to Cairns, so from Townsville north up into Cairns. And the Savannah Way's eastern eastern point is obviously Cairns, which is a very popular destination, surrounded by rainforest and reef. If you've never ma- made it there, make sure, again, that I always say put it on your bucket list. Make sure it's something that you do because uh, it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, Cairns to Lawn Hill, or I think they pronounce it Bujamala, Uh, National Park. The route westward to Bujat Mullart National Park, formerly known as Lawn Hill National Park, is via Burktown. Now there's sealed roads and towns in relatively close proximity and it makes it a really comfortable route for all vehicles and of course you can tow as well. Now there are plenty of side routes and loops including unsealed road adventures as well. Most of these are well-maintained roads with the occasional shallow creek crossings making four-wheel drives obviously preferable. There's a seven-day itinerary that you can uh, do, which is about uh, 1,254 kilometres. So day one, we did Cairns to Mareeba in the Atherton Tablelands. I think it was about 62 k's. And the journey begins in Cairns, the gateway to Queensland's tropical north and the Great Barrier Reef, and a buzzing coastal city famous for its picturesque esplanade, its lively bars, vibrant food scene, and laid-back lifestyle. When you travel from Cairns to the cool, elevated Atherton Tablelands, there's a blend of the best attractions of the tropics there. So you get a real sort of combination of nature and lifestyle at its finest. Among the World Heritage listed rainforests, national parks, the mountains, rivers, lakes and waterfalls are some of Australia's richest agricultural lands and charming small townships. Biologists, too, have described the spectacular rainforests of the wet tropics as the greatest celebration of life on Earth. What a wrap. You can explore Corunda. The village in the rainforest is just 27 kilometres from Cairns via the Corunda Range. And Mareeba is a food lover's paradise, producing more than 70% of Australia's coffee, which I did not know. So check out Mareeba. Pick up some local produce, including, of course, coffee, which we did, wine, fruit and vegetables, and ensure to drop into the Mariba Heritage Museum and the Visitor Information Centre for more information on this really diverse region. And just so you know, too, that there is an alternative route that you can do. You can do Cairns to Chilagoe, 205 kilometres, that is, Um, For an additional experience, this is with Unsealed Roads. It's a former mining centre and renowned for its marble, uh, Australia's finest, apparently, and limestone caves that have regular tours that you can check out too. So for day two, Mariba to Undara, 229 caves we did, leaving Mariba. You travel south through the southern parts of the Athelton Tablelands, home to World Heritage-listed rainforests and spectacular waterfalls. Uh, Andara Volcanic National Park is home to one of the world's longest flows of lava, which originates from a single volcano dating back over 190,000 years. It was absolutely unbelievable. You can't, you can't just comprehend that kind of stuff. The flow there, it's created a really vast network of lava tubes and underground caves. There are guided tours daily and they must be booked. The Archway Explorer is a great introduction to the caves and it follows the boardwalks which follow, which is suitable for all fitness levels. You can stay the night of one of the 15 Queensland rail carriages meticulously rest- restored in 2016. There is an alternative route that you can do. You can do Chilligowie to Undara 198 k's. That's via the Herbert and pedford Road and then onto the Kennedy Highway and then the Savannah Way. For day three, it was Undara to Cobold Gorge, about 230 k's. And when you travel from Undara, visit Mount Surprise. It's home to semi precious gemstones and fossicking experiences. It was a ripper. Georgetown there was established when gold was found around the Etheridge River in 1869 and it is full of charming heritage buildings and surrounded by spectacular outback scenery, and it is absolutely magical. Georgetown is an administrative and cattle centre for the Etheridge Shire with a history of gold, silver, copper, lead and tin mining throughout the district, so you can do some fossicking there. You can visit the incredible terrestrial centre, which is a modern display of over, I think it was about 4,500 gemstones and minerals from all around the world. From Georgetown, you can head west again and then take a small detour off the main route to head to the Geological Wonder that is Cobalt Gorge, which is Queensland's youngest gorge at about 10,000 years old. You can do a guided tour there, that's the only way that you can explore this spectacular formation. They do daily tours, led by an extremely knowledgeable savannah guide, which includes both a walking component and a cruise through the gorge, where rugged sandstone walls soar up to 30 metres on either side. Active travellers can explore the gorge under their own steam on a stand-up paddleboard. It's absolutely fantastic. I really recommend that you stop there and take it on board. Stay overnight at the Cobalt Village, which is home to an infinity pool with a swim-up bar and a variety of accommodation, including motel-style rooms, self-contained cabins and camping caravanning area there too. All volcanic. It was totally new to me. I did not even um, comprehend that that sort of area was in Queensland. And another area is the Tallaroo Hot Springs which unite one of Outback Queensland's really extraordinary geological wonders with the unique cultural experiences of the local Aboriginal Awani people, The Tellarue Hot Springs experience includes a caravan park, a campground cafe, there's a guided boardwalk tour of the springs and private soaking pools. And overnight, you're also invited to share stories with the local people around the dancing flames of the fire pit at the nightly Yarning Circle. The Hot Springs there are 65 million years old and their physical and spiritual connection with the local Aboriginal community goes back millennia. The Aboriginal Corporation uh, the Awanian, rather, uh, Aboriginal Corporation, is the proud owner and the operator of the Tellaroo Hot Springs, and they welcome visitors to experience their hospitality and deeper form of reconciliation between people, culture and place. The journey time from Cairns by Road is four and a half hour, hours, and Tellaroo is accessible to conventional vehicles and caravans. I really recommend that you do it. It's about 38 kilometres west of Mount Surprise and they've got a website which is www.tallaroo.com.au. and Tallaroo is spelled T-A-L-A-R-O-O. Check out these hot springs, they're absolutely magical. So day four of our itinerary was Cobalt Gorge to Croydon, about 230 k's. When you leave the gorge, you travel back to Georgetown and then on to Croydon, which is a town with a big history that started with the discovery of gold in 1885. You can enjoy living history through interactive and static displays and by visiting the businesses still operating from the 1880s. I really recommend that you visit the True Blue Visitor Information Centre in Croydon for town maps and information on the many activities that you can do. And uh, there's boating available at Croydon as well. It's in the heart of the Gulf Savannah on the Savannah Way, a town with a big history. Started, as I said, with the discovery of gold and considered the heritage capital of the Gulf area. Croydon has a really rich history which just which we know uh, started with the discovery of gold and it led to the development of a really rich, booming gold mining town. In its heyday, it was the third largest town in northern Queensland and it serviced a gold field that extended for 18 kilometres, producing over 23,675 kilograms of gold over 35 years. Today, Croydon still glows from the dust of its feverish gold mining days where it sits on top of deep, untapped gold reserves. The historic Gulflander train travels the award-winning steel replica Croydon Station Weekly on Revolutionary Heritage-listed steel sleepers. It overnights in Croydon on Wednesdays and returns to Normanton the next day. Really recommend that you check out Croydon. Great little place, sort of right in the heart, I guess, of um, the top end of Queensland and uh, a really great little place to stay. Cook some good accommodation and camping available there too. It is rather a bit of an oasis um, with Lake Belmore, which is the aquatic jewel of the Gulf Savannah. It's the largest body of fresh water in the region, providing locals and tourists with a cool, clean, quiet place to swim, fish, ski, canoe and socialise. We couldn't believe we saw ski boats on those. What the? The lake is stocked to with red claw, barramundi and sooty grunta with black brim occurring naturally there. The barramundi and sooty grunter fingerlings are purchased and released into the lake every year, and they ensure that their seasonally unrestricted fishing there is always fantastic. But please note this, to fish in Lake Belmore, you must have a current stocked empowerment permit. And for information on to purchase them, they call them an SIP, you can head to queensland.gov.au and then select, select recreational activities, boating, fishing, etc. Situated less some 4Ks from town on a fully sealed bitumen road, the Earth Wall Dam was constructed in nineteen ninety-five as the town's primary water supply. Prior to nineteen ninety six, Croydon mainly obtained its water from a number of bores from mining pits such as the Golden Butterfly, which with time will be coming dry. Now there's recreational facilities at the lakeside which include the beach, the beach sand area with a huge shade shelter, shade shelter. There's a boat ramp with sealed circular driveway around facility. Free electric barbecues there's a kids' playground, modern ablution block with showers and toilets. There's a cafeteria that's there, designated areas for swimming, skiing and canoeing. Lake Belmore is one of the region's best recreational secrets and I recommend that you uh, spend a few days there unwinding because it's absolutely lovely. As I said, a little bit of an oasis in the middle of the Savannah Way. And in this area too, you'll notice that the terrain is starting to really change. Day five for us, Croydon to Karumba. 226 kilometres, 155 k's from Croydon is Normanton, which is a goldfield sport that is now an administrative centre and home of the fantastic Golflander train one of Australia's great rail journeys. Corumba is 71 k's from Normanton and is highly regarded as the prawn and barramundi fishing capital of Australia at the mouth of the Norman River. Now, Corumba Beach is the only beach in the central savannah which is accessible by Seal Road and well-known for fishing all around. There are a number of fishing charters and fishing guides, or you can take a wildlife cruise along the Norman River. You can stay overnight in the many accommodation options and relax and enjoy spectacular sunset views and local seafoods. And the sunsets there were absolutely fantastic, brilliant and uh, just a fantastic place to visit really recommend it and as i said the scenery starts to change really really deep red roads and then you're looking out uh, out in from the norman river at the mouth and, and out into the gulf and just absolutely lovely place and like most of these destinations out this way plenty of accommodation choices from free camping to uh, caravan parks, to motels, whatever your desire and fancy is, plenty of accommodation. We stayed at the Gulf Country Caravan Park there. Day six for us was Karumba to Burktown, about 280 kilometres. Burktown is the oldest settlement in the Gulf, boasting a rugged frontier history of golf fever, they call it, devastating the pioneers, and home to Yaguri Tours. Yaguri Tours there offers an Indigenous perspective on Birktown. It's run by the Garalinga and the Garawa peoples, and the tours include a fishing charter, a cruise along the Albert River at sunset, and a stargazing experience where the local elder explains the significance of the night sky. I won't give it give away too much. I really recommend that this is a must-do experience of the Gulf Savannah. It's just absolutely Opened my eyes up to a different perspective in Birktown. In day seven was Birktown to Lawn Hill National Park or the Bujamala National Park. When you, it's about 230km, I think it was, leaving Birktown, you travel along the Gregory Lawn Hill Road to Budjamulla National Park, as I said earlier, formerly known as Lawn Hill. It's one of Queensland's most beautiful reserves, I can certainly attest to that. Lawn Hill Gorges carves a real vibrant ribbon of green through the surrounding plains, a real rich emerald oasis surrounded by sandstone peaks and fringing on rainforest. The area is a sacred place to the indigenous uh, Wanini people who believe that the Rainbow Serpent, which is known as Bunjamala, formed the gorge. It's truly spectacular country and well worth an extended stay and there's fantastic highlights around this area and you still haven't even got to the border between Queensland and the Northern Territory. So some of the highlights, as I mentioned, the Bujamala National Park, one of Queensland's most scenic national park. It's situated within the remote northwest highlands of Queensland and the park features spectacular gorge country, sandstone ranges and world heritage fossils. It's formed by the long Hill Creek, which is fed by numerous freshwater springs from the limestone plateau to the west. The magnitude of the sandstone cliffs lining the gorge in its emerald waters, and they are this, uh, emerald waters and lush vegetation, it makes it an absolute visual splendor. Serving as an oasis, the spring water and the surrounding vegetation it attracts an abundance of wildlife. The local Aboriginal people have strong cultural ties with the park, while the pastoralists of European descent have more recent historical connections. There is one camping area at the National Park in Lawn Hill Gorge. Now, camping permits are required and fees do apply. You can get a camping tag with your booking number and that must be displayed at your campsite. They're quite firm, firm about that. And there are park-specific conditions. Rubbish facilities are not provided in the park. You need to take your rubbish with you when you leave. And if you want up-to-date information, including access and facilities, visit parks.des.queensland.gov.au and then click on Parks and you'll find the Bujamala Lawn Hill National Park, a fantastic place, just blew us absolutely away with some of the things that you can see, just the sites that you can see there as well, which is absolutely brilliant. And um, another one, we couldn't, am getting all excited, we couldn't believe the amount of World Heritage sites that were there. Riversley is another one, an ancient landscape, part of the Australian Fossil Mammal Sites World Heritage Area. It's one of the top 10 fossil sites in the world. Another thing I didn't really know until I started doing some research By road, it's 156 kilometres north of the Barclay Highway and 51 k south of Lawn Hill Gorge in northwest Queensland. This World Heritage Area was inscribed for its outstanding natural universal values. It is one of the most significant fossil deposits in the world and the richest known fossil mammal deposit in Australia. It has revealed records of Gondwanan life forms which existed prior to the breakup of this ancient continent. Now, D site there was one of the first major fossil deposits found at Riversley, and it's the only publicly accessible part of this World Heritage Area. Now, its fossils are from the late Oligocene period dating back, cop this, 25 million years. Now, there's been turtles, fish, snails, crocodiles, lizards, pythons, birds, and many types of mammal fossils have all been recovered from this D site. Now, Riverslea's D site is the only part of the Riversleigh Australian Fossil Mammal Site which is open to the public. I recommend you do it and stay at the nearby Minyama uh, camping area. Camping permits, too, are required and fees do apply. And again, a tag with your booking number must be displayed at campsite. They get very nasty if you don't. Bookings, though, must be made in advance and permits are not available from the National Park. Now, just to make sure, fossicking for fossils is illegal. Penalties do apply. You don't empty your chemical toilets into the composting toilets. There's a dump point provided at Adoles Grove, which is 46 Ks away. Rubbish facilities are not provided in the park. You need to take your rubbish with you. The lighting of fires is not allowed. You must bring a fuel or gas stove for cooking and avoid the spread of weeds. You've got to check your clothing and your shoes regularly for seeds. If you find any, remove them, wrap them and place them in your rubbish bag. So that's simple. For more information, visit the website which is parks.des.queensland or qld.gov.au. Again, Parks, Bujamala, and Riversley. I really recommend you spend some time here at the Riverley, Riversley World Heritage Site. It's one of the top 10 fossil sites in the world. Absolutely blew my mind. You just can't comprehend that kind of history. Now, if you like something a little bit different um, as far as accommodation, I recommend that you spend two nights at Adele's Grove which is an eco-sensitive camping park situated along the emerald green waters of Lawn Hill Creek. From here, you can spend your second day at the National Park exploring the park's dramatic red rock formations. That's just unbelievable. You, cameras don't do it justice. You've got to stand there and just look at it. We was just, I think, both of us had our mouths wide. open. It's absolutely fantastic. Adele's Grove offers tours that will take you on a cruise through the rugged escarpments and the spectacular Lawn Hill Gorge, and after Bujamala exploration, your Queensland safari has pretty much come to the end, but it certainly isn't the end of the cross-country Savannah Way road trip. We'll come back after the break as we head through the Northern Territory more. In just a moment, you're listening to the Road Less Travelled podcast with me, Nikki Shea. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast, hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travel podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. Back to the Road Less Travel podcast with me, Nikki Shea. Great to have you company this week. We are on the Savannah Way. We've gone through Queensland and we head over the border from Birktown to Burrulua. Uh, which is about 523 k's into the Northern Territory, and make sure that you plan your fuel usage between Borulua and Dumaraji, as this is a long stretch between fuel stops and toilets, so be prepared. You can visit the Borulua Police Station for current weather information and road conditions, and visit the Doomadgee Roadhouse for more information on this section of the Savannah Way. Most of the road is dirt to the Queensland border and a few sections of bitumen from the border to Doomadgee, so make sure you take your time to this section. There is plenty of river crossings, a lot to see, and great campsites along the way, and it's just fantastic. From Borolua to Cape Crawford, about uh, 105 k's. Now, Borolua is one of Australia's most remote towns, With lawless frontier history and these days a base for many fishermen. You can visit the old police station museum with a key from the caravan park or nearby mechanic. And the art centre sells local Aboriginal art on weekdays. There's guided fishing and boat ramps are also available, as in all fishing areas. Be aware of the estuarine crocodiles and fishing regulations. The Abner Ranges are home to an impressive formation known as the Lost City. The Lost City covers an area of about 8 square kilometres and it's dotted with towering sandstone formations. These natural pillars remind many observers of skyscrapers and it's certainly well worth a visit. You can also do helicopter flights which land at the Lost City, give access to four-wheel drive tours through sandstone formations. Now, Cape Crawford is 100 k's south of Buralua. surrounded by savannah woodland. It's really different. Rock escarpments, waterfalls, and waterholes. Now, despite the first part of its name, Cape Crawford is actually approximately 120 k's from the ocean, situated at the northern extremity or cape of the Abner Ranges, which were first discovered by drover Lindsay Crawford in 1880. So, Buralua to Cape Crawford, about 105 k's. Another trip, well, this is getting a little bit. You can do an alternative route. You can do the Lorella Springs to Mataranka via Roper Bar. It's 154 kilometres sealed plus 302 unsealed routes, so 456 k's. You head east at Mataranka to Roper Bar and it's the primary Savannah Way route which involves a longer unsealed experience. This road can also be an opportunity for those with four-wheel drive vehicles to leave their caravans at Mataranka or Catherine and enjoy a more remote touring loop. Now, as with many remote routes, it's advisable to take on fuel at every opportunity. You can't stress that enough. The surface can be extremely rough at times, so make sure you drive carefully to preserve your tyres. The road is sealed to Fitzy's Creek about 30 k's before Roper Bar, and Roper Bar is a historic crossing of the Roper River. 272 k's from Roper Bar is Lorella Springs Wilderness Park, which is a huge 4,000 square kilometre outback cattle station surrounded by the Limon National Park. Now, La Roella Spring Station is a virtually untouched one million acre property. It's a dream retreat with a magical atmosphere of just pure solitude and serenity. It's the final frontier of an ever changing world. You can move away from the idyllic unspoilt beaches on its 20k kilometer of ocean frontage, past the bird filled lakes, past rivers, there's hills, forests and savannah lands, you can climb past chasms, past waterfalls, past thermal springs, up the towering, glittering, crystalline escarpments where you can just be mesmerised by surveying the majestic, massive country. And as far as possible, in every direction, all you can see is Lorella. Just absolutely fantastic. We went to Mataranka via, Mataranka, or Cape Crawford rather, to Mataranka via Daily Waters. That is 445 kilometres seal route where you can travel south from Catherine on the Stuart Highway through Larimar to turn east at Daily Waters. Now, Larimar only became a town in 1940, and the war history is told to the pub, uh, in the pub rather, museum, and by exploring the nearby Gorry Airfield, which we did. Daly Waters is a historic driving stop and overland telegraph station too. The pub is a visitor icon with camping and rooms, and on the outskirts of town is Australia's first international airfield, which also was used to help evacuate Indonesian citizens in World War II. There are roadside overnight camping bays along the Daly Waters to Cape Crawford section, which is all sealed, single-lane development road. So when they say development, just be aware of that. Mataranka to Catherine, 108 k's. Now, the town of Mataranka, south of Catherine, it's renowned for its sandy bottomed thermal pool pastoral history, and it is a welcome stop. For tourists the and tourists rather the classic Australian novel We Have the Never Never by Jeannie Gunn in written in 1908 tells the story of a pioneer woman's life here still represented by the replica homestead and at the cemetery you can browse the Stockyard Gallery's exhibit of local Aboriginal art from the Mataranka and Roper River areas now Mataranka Hot Springs is located at Elsie National Park of course We Have the Never Never was Elsie Station uh, if you remember your history back in uh, back in school and Elsie national park provides the perfect place for visitors to unwind and soak up the mesmerizing scenery this thermal pool is one of the biggest draws to the region and it promises the chance to kick back and relax with incredible views and it just delivers all that the warm water is thought to soothe any ailments and the natural scenery is extremely peaceful Close to the Roper River, the pool can sometimes get very crowded, especially at busier times of the year, but there's still plenty of room for everyone to enjoy the natural wonder. Now, the pool itself, filled with fresh spring water from the Daly and the Georgina Basins, and it maintains a constant temperature of 34 degrees. There are non-powered campsites available at the Jalmarak campground and camp fees apply and are payable on site. Catherine Gorge. Now, this is 30 k's northeast of Catherine. It's the Nitmiluk National Park, or Catherine Gorge as it's known, brings life to the region through a series of waterways. There's ancient rock art sites and a wide diversity of local wildlife. The national park covers a vast area, including 13 impressive gorges carved from the ancient sandstone country, which stretch as far as the eye can see. You can experience spectacular views by taking the Barroway Loop and stop at the Barroway Lookout to witness just what is—we couldn't believe it—just a breathtaking sight where you can take in the view of the gorge. Camping too is available through the national park. Timber—well, we went from Catherine to Timber Creek, about 290 k's. Now, Catherine too is a bustling regional tourist town and a pastoral service hub 310km south of Darwin. It's the third largest town here in the Northern Territory. Now, you will need a couple of days to truly experience the Catherine region where you will discover spectacular gorges, misty waterfalls, thermal springs and ancient cultures. First stop, of course, is to the Catherine Visitor Centre, which is open seven days a week to help you make the most of your Outback adventure. And the Catherine Hot Springs, located just 2 k's from the Catherine Central Business, Business District and a short turn-off from the I think it was Visitoria Highway, where you can relax and swim through the clear waters surrounded by the pandanus trees. We went from Timber Creek to Kununurra. Um, That's another... We'll, we'll talk about that in... We might talk about that next week's show, um, from Timber Creek up to Kananara and uh, continue our story of the Savannah Way, where you cross through three states if you do it. And I must say, your minimum to allow would be three weeks. You wouldn't want to do it any quicker because you won't see everything that you need to see. So what we'll do, we'll continue on next week on the Road Less Travelled podcast, where we'll take you from uh, Northern Territory, we'll head up to Darwin, and then whip across into Western Australia and then down towards Broome, where we'll finish off on our journey of the massive journey of the Savannah Way. Make sure that you keep up to date with what we're doing. Head to our Facebook page and you can also head to Instagram and search for the Road Less traveled Podcast 2021 and that's where you'll find us. We'll come back with part two of the fantastic Savannah Way next week on the Road Less traveled Podcast and I hope to have your company then. My name's Nikki Shane. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you somewhere out there very soon on the Road Less Traveled. Take care. Talk to you next week. Bye for now. Take the road, travel. Thanks for listening. The Road Less Travelled is presented by Nikki Shea and produced by Fat Cat Media.